going to ask you to do something a little different this morning. Um, how about standing up and speaking to everybody around you and welcome them to church, and especially these 17 people that we're so happy they're here. Make sure they don't get out of here without being spoken to this morning. Just say good morning. and kind of you to sit down. That's a wonderful thing, isn't it, for a church to just be able to visit for a minute and uh, welcome everybody. So um, we need to do that more often, find a way to do that. We're in a summer uh, series based on Paul's fruit of the Spirit found in uh, Galatians 5.22. 23, you're probably beginning to know these by heart, so maybe you can say them with me. By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. The word of the Lord. Now, I need to say this. I, I, I wouldn't have picked kindness as a sermon topic. Um, it just sounds like something your grandmother would say to you. Uh, you know, be kind. Now, I, I, nothing wrong with grandmothers. I'm married to one. But <laughs> there's a lot of serious stuff going on in the world today. And how dare we stand in a pulpit in Richmond, Virginia and preach on such a fluffy kind of word as kindness. Paul, do you really want to leave that in your list of nine fruit of the spirit? We need some big words from the pulpits this morning to face these big problems And kindness just feels like blowing a feather in the face of a tornado, you know, to me. So maybe we could delete the word, just take it out and let there be eight fruit. Or we could replace the word with some other more powerful words like compassion, the fruit of compassion. That'd be a good one. Or we could put in the word of 
prayer or reconciliation or forgiveness. There's no mention of, uh, no fruit of being decent and in order. And we Presbyterians love those words, decent and in order. Uh, Will Willimon preached uh, my installation sermon in Charlotte years ago, and he stood in the pulpit and said, you Presbyterians are so worried about doing things decently and in order. He said, I think you need to be more indecent and out of order. So I've been working on that. There's no fruit of discipline. That's a great word. There's no fruit of perseverance or success or intelligence or even the fruit of power. Nope, they're not in there. I think that Paul strategically chose these nine words as a way of telling us about the nature and character of God. So why include this word kindness? And imagine how that word must have sounded to those living under the Roman Empire. Kindness is countercultural to Rome, who is all about strength and all about power and all about perfection. Rome threw the widows and the poor and the lame and the broken out on the streets, and Jesus picked them all up. In fact, that was the root of the beginning of Christianity the reclaiming of the lives that Rome trashed. And so to use the word kindness in the face of the almighty Roman Empire just seems so counter-cultural. But isn't that the point? To live in Christian community is to live counter-cultural. It's to live counter to any culture that does not belong to the kingdom of God. So where have we seen this counter-cultural kindness? I I was uh, several months ago, I was on my way home from doing a seminar in Atlanta, Georgia, and I stopped for gas. And I went into the convenience store for coffee, and on the way in, I saw something very, very significant An elderly gentleman, white gentleman, was coming into the convenience store while an elderly African-American woman was coming out. He grabbed the door and stood to the side very quickly and held it open for her, and she said, thank you, sir. And he responded, you are most certainly welcome, and I hope you have a wonderful afternoon. I went on into the store, but it dawned on me. I'm just outside Atlanta, Georgia. This is a place where not long ago, people were killing each other over the issue of slavery. Maybe on this very spot. And these two elderly people spoke to each other with such Kindness, such respect, such honor. And I saw it right there, the countercultural kindness of God. Oh, it wasn't earth shattering. But it's small acts of kindness that change the world. 
We know there's an erosion of respect and civility in our American culture. There's road rage just on our news uh, this week. Some young man uh, beaten severely at a stoplight or a stop sign by another man with a baseball bat over road rage. There's bullying in our society, both cyberbullying and just pure bullying, to the point that some people have committed suicide due to this bullying. There's rudeness, just rudeness. And an underlying anger and hostility that's in the air, a kind of unsettling environment. You never know when you're in a public environment what's going to happen and, and who's, who you can trust and what's going to erupt here. And yet I would argue that there are hundreds and thousands and millions of acts of kindness going on in our culture every day, every minute, every second. When you think about people in Oklahoma and Kansas and Nebraska, you think about people you know, in South Dakota and North Dakota and Iowa and Idaho, you think about folks in Connecticut and Florida and Virginia, just regular old folks who are getting up and going to a convenience store and opening a door and saying, thank you, sir. Oh, ma'am, you are certainly welcome, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Counter-cultural kindness. Nurses. Think of all the nurses in the hospitals in Richmond, Virginia, just this morning. The nurses who went into work early and are caring for their patients with such kindness and tenderness. Happens every day. Over and over and over and over and over again. Teachers going into classrooms and working with their children with such kindness. Salespeople who are genuinely kind to you, who really want to help you. Mechanics and carpenters and artists and musicians and lawyers and doctors and bankers and people who just happen to be homeless and rich folks and poor people all sharing multiple acts of kindness every day. I'm going to say something that you need to think about. I would venture to say there is more kindness in the world today than there is evil. Ponder that. Hundreds of millions of thousands of people sharing kindness every day, but it is evil that makes the news. This kind of story happens all the time. While Catherine and I were recently in Michigan, uh, went up to do a conference and preach and teach, and um, I didn't want to, but I had to play some golf while I was up there. I did it for Jesus. But we went out to uh, late breakfast one morning in Ludington, Michigan with uh, some of our friends. And we'd been told to go to this particular little restaurant. Well, it was packed, 4th of July weekend. We waited in line. We finally got to where it was almost us. And there was a young couple in front of us. And first in line, we were second. And a table for four came open. And the young man looked at the table and looked at us looked at the table, said to the waitress, you can let them have that, we'll wait. Hmm. How kind of him. We thanked them, we sat down at the table, and 
I kept noticing that they were still waiting for a table. They waited a long time. And they had given us their table. And so we called the waitress over and said, um, put their breakfast on our tab, but don't tell them. And then I said, but tell them not to order anything too big. <laughs> it was my wife's idea to, you know, have, pay for the breakfast. And then I said, but no steak or anything like that. <laughs> well, the waitress laughed. And she said, well, that's a kind thing to do. Their kindness generated our kindness. And that's the way it works. You take the fruit of kindness and break it open and the seeds fall out and guess what happens? More kindness. It's reciprocal. It's contagious, this kindness. Oh, it's a small thing, I know, to give somebody a table and to pay for their breakfast. But it's the small things in life that chisel away at the stones of evil. Can you think of one big, huge thing that could be done today that would eradicate evil around the world? One big thing. No. It's hundreds of millions of little chiseling pieces of stone that chisel away at the evil around us and reclaim the world for God. These acts don't make the news, they just make the difference. You've heard the phrase, kill them with kindness. I looked up the origins of that, and apparently it came from an English proverb that says this, the ape kills her young with kindness. Now that's an, that's an odd statement. But uh, presumptively, the, the ape would kill its young by crushing it with an affectionate hug. Now, I don't think that's what Paul is saying in the Bible, that we should go out and crush people to death with our kindness, although I think Paul did think about crushing some people from time to time. But I think what he is saying is there is a power in kindness that overcomes animosity. There's a power in kindness that overcomes conflict and tension and rudeness. Oh, it may not work the first time. In fact, you get some old crusty fellow and you're trying to work on him and the first time you, you share kindness with him, it's gonna bounce off of him like Teflon. Some of you women are married to that guy. And you just try all you can. But the next time you come back and the next time you come back and the next time you come back and the 499th time you come, You've worn him out. And all of a sudden, without knowing how, you chiseled away piece by piece his heart of stone. Kindness. Paul advised the Roman church. Now imagine this, a little group of Christians in the city of Rome. With the Roman Empire looming over top of them, and Paul writes the, the letter to the Romans. This is a very powerful letter in your Bible. He writes this letter to the church in Rome, and he says to them, overcome evil with good. Not with more evil, but with good. And what a challenge that is to do, not only then, but now. We've tried all kinds of other ways. At times, war seems necessary. I'll give you that. 
But if war could overcome evil, we would have already done it with war. But it hasn't. If being intelligent could overcome evil, it would have already done it because there's plenty of intelligence in the world. But some of the most intelligent people in the world are the ones committing the most heinous evil acts. Intelligence does not eradicate evil. Technology has given us a lot, but it has not defeated evil. In fact, technology actually at times facilitates and fuels evil through social media, through the internet. Good things turn for bad. Business has not eradicated evil. It's not its task. That's not what business is made for. Medicine, the arts, the sciences, they've not overcome evil because it's not in their expertise. It's not their purpose. Kindness. This fluffy word that Paul includes in nine characteristics of the Spirit of God, he included kindness because kindness can paralyze evil. Kindness can disarm even the most barbaric of criminals. Our son is the head chaplain uh, in a maximum security prison in Columbia, South Carolina, where death row and the whole, the whole thing. 1,300 of the worst criminals in the state of South Carolina. And I had the privilege to go and see this prison and to watch him in action and to see the chapel function. And it just strikes me that in that environment, in that world, a world unto itself... When they come through to the chapel, there's a door open for them, and they are called sir. Regardless of their sins, regardless of what they have done to society, they are treated with dignity and worth and kindness. Chiseling away one little piece of rock at a time. Nothing big, not dynamite, no big plan that could change a prison. Just acts of kindness, one piece at a time, chiseling away the the hearts of stone. Kindness can cancel the plans of revenge. It can dispel hate. And it can turn an enemy into an ally. Oh, it's a powerful, powerful weapon for good. It changes the world one chisel at a time. You know, we can, we're debating gun control. And we can try to control guns. Probably to no avail. But the real power is in transforming the human heart that wants to use the gun. That's where the power is. Chisel into that heart. Chisel into that mindset in our culture. How powerful does that make a church that has a hammer and a chisel behind its doors? Oh, I think your grandmother knew exactly what she was talking about. She's no fool, and neither is Paul. Of all the words he could have put in there, he didn't delete kindness because he knew this is the power to bring in the kingdom of God because God's kindness stands with the oppressed when nobody else will stand with them. 
God's kindness is an advocate for the poor. God's kindness guards the rights of the defenseless and values all human life, all human life. This kindness of God opens a door at a convenience store and is countercultural to the environment around it. It's not racist. It's not based on social class or education or status. This kindness of God overcomes evil with good. And it reclaims a world that belongs to God. You know what that couple were doing in that Georgia convenience store? They were acting out heaven. Just a little taste of heaven in a door of a 7-Eleven. They were just acting out the kingdom of God one little piece of the play at a time. And I got to see it. You have to be humble to be kind. And we saw this humility in Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Oh, I think Paul knew exactly what he was doing when he picked this word. The kindness of God dwells in you. Did you know that? It's in you. And we are called upon to bear witness to this fruit in the world. A world that desperately needs it right now. What a privilege. And what a joy. And you'll learn as we continue this series that all these fruit get mixed up in a fruit salad. Because as you are being kind, joy shows up. Peace comes in the room. And love prevails. God bless your grandmother. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all God's people said,